This is Box to Box Stoppage Time with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. And Hoyt's Herbs and Spices. Changing the mood of food. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box Stoppage Time. You're with Rob Gilbert, Michael Edgley and Willem Van Denderen for our podcast where we go through our highlights of the past week, our teams, our moments of the week and a few hot topics our old mate Derek is still over there in the UK, so it's just the three of us. Um, Willem, it's it's always tough to to break it down. You and I had a bit of an arm wrestle over who was going to get the game of the week, um, but uh, but you know I, I won because I was what first in best dressed, and you've picked a, another one. Yeah, so we have neglected to this point to mention the Asian Champions League at all. Uh, did you know City played their opener at Amy Park a fortnight ago? Rob did not make a ripple in Melbourne Town, but after two games, they are top of their Champions League group. They had uh, a win as rare and as precious as hen's teeth, really. 2-1 win away uh, against Zhang of China. The old and the new on the score sheet, as is Bayich and young Max Caputo, who Joey Lynch uh, forecasted as one to watch for, for such a young guy. He's, he's got a huge sort of frame on him. Mention uh, our good mate Johnny Accardo from Hoyts. Uh, he messaged me during the week to say that uh, young Caputo is the son of his builder and that we uh, uh, we ought to get the young bloke on soon. So uh, as a little nudge from one of our very good sponsors, we, we don't have a lot of rookies on over the journey, but hey, why not? He, he might have earned his stripes. Well, if he can circumvent the Melbourne City media manager, Rob, we'd be more than <laughs> delighted to have young Max on our program. Um, no, but this is really good for City. Um, they need to to start progressing. Last year was just an absolute bungle job, Ed. You'll remember they were playing uh, against Patum Tani, was it not? Late, they were in the box seat to progress from uh, the group pretty much the whole way through until the sixth game when there were plenty of sort of heads in hands at the disappointment well, the, of the opportunity um, lost. They had to play in a, um, in a hub, didn't they? They, they, they did. They had homes, which, which, which made a big impact on them. Um, I just it's 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 a real shame that you mentioned that the, nobody knew that the Asian Champions League game was on for Melbourne City because here in Bangkok, Asian Champions League nights on the Wednesday and the Thursday are absolutely massive. Um, and Buriam, who's the big daddy in Thai football, you know the the bars were packed with people watching the game. Obviously, Arthur Pappas is the coach of Buriam, uh, a good Australian connection there, and. Um, and all of the games, you know, from the Middle East right through to Australia have been telecast in all of the um, the venues around Bangkok and Thailand. And it's just a really good vibe. It's a shame Australian football fans are missing that vibe with them. Not a drop in the ocean edge. Two organisations that are just too big to fail, the AFC and the City Football Group. They are, they are, their priorities lie elsewhere. Their primary means of operation just for whatever reason do not seem to filter towards getting people through the gates and into the stadium so yeah no extremely disappointing um and yeah city do play buriram next in thailand that one's on the 25th of october uh so you say they're the big daddy would you expect city to win that or yeah how would you how would you foresee that because it is a a big clash third uh third one in the group so we're, we're reaching sort of um sorting out point well, uh, Buriam has five South Americans playing for them who are uh, very good. They're all um, well outside uh, paying. You know, they're, they're all getting paid in excess of a million US dollars uh, a season to play for this club. So they're, they're of a quality that the A-League just doesn't generally um, reach into. But they will find travelling to Melbourne City difficult. But I'd expect at home uh, in the... Furnace, which is uh, their stadium up in the northern part of Thailand at that time of the year, it's going to be stinking hot, um, high degree of humidity. And 
you know, um, Melbourne City will give themselves a chance. Uh, they've got two fantastic Socceroos in great form. Aziz Bates scored a beautiful goal in that um, Champions League game, and I'm expecting um, McLaren and and Bates to put up a good fight. It'll be a good contest, but Borium will probably be too strong, I think. Well, why don't you segue into your uh, your game of the week, Edge? Well, my game of the week for anyone who's been under a rock is Arsenal's victory over Manchester City on uh, early Monday morning, Australian time, Sunday afternoon in England. As Derek mentioned in the main show, he was walking to uh, Emirates Stadium, but he calls the Highbury Library, uh, in a T-shirt in October. It was that warm. But uh, what a great game. Two top teams, a very tense atmosphere, and um, really, uh, other than the first 10 minutes, which were um, falling in the way of, of City, of, of the title holders, the rest of the game, really, Arsenal had it on its own terms. And it wasn't until the 87th minute that uh, Gabriel Martinelli smashed one in. Uh, he got the deflection and uh, and they got the score, uh, the goal that uh, sent uh, the high. And it was unlucky edge for Nathan Ake who that deflection came off because he was the one who had probably the best opportunity. They kept Harlan pretty quiet, but Ake had a, had a red hot right. chance earlier in the game to and score. It, did you realise the goal. deflection came off his face, Rob? I, I, I thought it came off his bum, but uh, you no, know, it came off his face. face it would have hurt actually. Um, but, but but I was drawn to the comments by Mikel Arteta after the match. He said, "I'm so proud. We had to make it happen. We knew there'd be moments when we had to suffer, and it was a big, big performance. We were really aggressive in the second half, and the changes really helped. They gave us new energy. It's not easy to get out against a high press." What I like is the courage. If it doesn't happen, keep doing it, keep doing it. That's the team we are. The crowd need to understand that and not shout at the players. I think that's what he said. It's my fault. David Raya was excellent. I love players with big courage, and he certainly has big kahunas. He used the word kahunas, Rob. Did he really? He did. So um, well done to Arsenal. Um, And Manchester City, the cracks are appearing. Mm. Can they recover? Uh, it's all there to play for. The title race is wide open. Anyone in the top six can uh, turn up and win this competition. Um, and I'm pretty excited about Arsenal. And also, seems a bit strange to say this, I'm a little, little bit excited about Tottenham too. Oh, mate, well, we know you don't hate them as much as Derek does. So, uh, uh, no, it's fantastic. I love it uh, when uh, when it's competitive. And uh, if you're not a City fan, you've got to love the way this season is going. All right, well, we did have an arm wrestle, Willem and I, but the, the game of the week, for anyone who was still wondering, was, of course, the, the Spurs-Luton Town match that uh, we... Uh, we were talking about in the show at length and, uh, you know, Hans Postacoglu, you know, of course he was playing down the result. It's early on in the season, uh, but top spot going into the second international break of the season, he was about the only person who was. So on the face of it, beating a promoted side or a slither outside of the drop zone, generally nothing to trumpet about. But that side, Luton Town, had come off a morale-boosting win at Goodison Park, as we know. And they rode their luck early against Spurs. It was pretty much a, an early onslaught. Richarlison had a, a couple of good opportunities, Pedro Porro as well, but they, they couldn't take their chances. So, you know, the fact that Tottenham remain unbeaten to start the season and sit on top of the ladder on points uh, uh, with Arsenal is, is really quite incredible. And, uh, you know, right now, even the most ardent Ange admirer, you know, wouldn't have blamed 
him for shutting up shop when uh, when they went down to ten men when Eve Basuma was sent off for a second yellow card offence uh, when he you know pretty clearly dived uh, uh, near the penalty area. Uh, but you know they carried on um, without their full complement and uh, and Mickey Van de Ven uh, scored his first goal for the club. It was a beautiful James Madison cutback from a corner, just ran parallel to the byline and and slotted it through and uh, and Van de Ven uh, just just toe poked it in and uh, you know Song Hyung Min had said to him in the bus on the way to the game, he said, uh, you're going to score your first goal today. So, you know, again, another one of the, the sort of the, the, the storyline threads of, of what's becoming, a, you know, a real Hollywood uh, story. And said post-match, the players want to change the destiny of this football club and that is what they are trying to do. So as much as Harry Kane might be enjoying it uh, over there in Germany, uh, you just got to wonder if he's thinking at some point, Willem, did I make the right decision? He's scoring goals with the same sort of furious manner that he always does, Robbie's racking him up. But no, I've certainly thought at some point, and I think one of his best mates is James um, Madison, not through their time, uh, not through their time at Tottenham because they only crossed over for a couple of months, but their time at, at Leicester way back when, I think, mm. certainly through the England uh, through the England squad. So they are mates. But to this game more broadly, I think this is the first time we saw Tottenham play under pressure of expectation. So it's been a new era under Ange, light and breezy. Ange, we know, has ambition and drive but for the players and the fans maybe not wanting to put too much pressure on early uh, but to roll up to Luton having gotten four points from Arsenal and Liverpool would have been a real shame if they couldn't get the job done here and then you said Eve Basuma what a what a turning point uh, a red card second yellow for simulation that's uh, that's rare um, but clear though Oh, it was clear as day. No, it was completely fair enough but just doesn't happen very often uh, the commentators were, were shocked uh, but yeah, no, they, they they did it. They worked through it. This was as much mental as physical. This win, um, uh, no, it was it was a fascinating watch. And for a one nil, there were probably as many storylines and threads that you could pull as as any game. Yeah, no, no, fantastic, and it's just nice uh, uh, that it goes into an international break, and and he gets to uh, Ange and the, the rest of the team uh, uh, sit there on top um, and uh, and enjoy the, the the heady afterglow of of a result like that. So teams of the week, we'll go into that now. Um, I'm just loving what's going on at St. Pauli. I read a great article by Nick DeBarna from Keep Up. Um, he wrote, uh, Jackson Irvine and Conor Metcalf's Pauli continued their unbeaten start to a secure top spot, as we said, heading into that international break. A double from Johannes Egerstein, plus goals from Elias Saad, Etienne Amanyendo and Metcalf were enough for the boys in Brown to continue their blistering start to the season. Now, the win coupled by Hamburg's one-all draw against Ryan Wiesbaden takes St. Pauli to top of the ladder for the first time this season, where they are still incredibly the only undefeated team remaining in the German second tier after nine games. Now, it's been 11 years since Pauli were in the top flight, and while they've threatened in recent seasons... Seasoned observers of German football are starting to believe that the club whose Millentor stadium is described as a party with a pitch where the skull and crossbones have been adopted as a sign of their bohemian culture, the club for those without a club. Now, I've been curious for a little while about how that symbol came about, especially given my 18-year-old son, Alexander, who has regular listeners to this show know, has uh, cerebral palsy and uh, intellectual uh, disabilities. He has a fascination with pirates. There is a song he just keeps on listening to about a, a pirate, and we hear it all the time. So I did a little bit of digging. Now, the Bundesliga website explains their anti-establishment sentiment 
became evident to everyone after their pirate skull and crossbones became their defining symbol. In appropriate fashion, it was a man known as Doc Mabus who first brought the flag to the stadium. At the time, he lived in a nomadic commune with 40 other squatters who also identified themselves as punks. Such a combination was a common sight at the Milan tour and naturally fostered empathy with the poor and downtrodden. So that is the boys in brown. That is St. Pauli, and that is the team that's top of the Bundesliga too, with our very own Jackson Irvine and Connor Metcalf. Uh, Nick DeBellano doing some fantastic work at uh, at Keep Up. Know him through uh, my university days and uh, budding commentator as well, so we'll be hearing uh, plenty more from him as well. Uh, no, that's been a, a gradual build, but it needs, it needs the cap on it. They need to get promoted. They've been so close, particularly two seasons ago. They were right in the mix. Uh, it's a particularly difficult promotion mechanism in the German uh, tier. You need to, if you don't finish first or second uh, and you finish three to six, not only do you need to progress out of that, but you then have to go and play third bottom uh, from the Bundesliga, so it's an additional layer of, of, of difficulty to work your way through. Uh, so, yeah, they will have learned from previous seasons, Rob. They've got to finish top two, so while these uh, these little runs are good, and they do seem to have them pretty regularly, they're a side that uh, obviously feel good at themselves, and they had a, a nine-game unbeaten run to put themselves back into contention last year. Uh, yeah, I think it is all sort of a, a, a degree of marking time until they, they get to the point here to make sure that they are finally promoted and sealed the deal. And we can see Jackson in the top flight of German football along with his mate, Connor Metcalf. And where are you going, Edge, with uh, with your uh, team of the week, mate? My team of the week is Botafogo in the Brazilian uh, top flight division. And um, it's a bit of a unique one because they are sitting on top of the table 55 points. They're nine points clear of Bragantino, who is uh, unusually uh, pretty, pretty crap, and they're second on the table. Um, they are... Um, well and truly got their local rivals covered. Flamingo is um, 11 points behind them and Fluminense is a, a massive 14 points behind them and they beat Fluminense uh, 2-0 on the weekend uh, in what was just a, a home game for Fluminense at uh, Maracanã. It was just the atmosphere was epic. Um, but Botafogo, they just take all before them. But believe it or not, Rob, being nine points on top of the ladder doesn't save you if you're the coach because they've punted the coach. They've got. They said um, the Portuguese coach Bruno Laga has been dismissed, and the reason is before they dismissed him before the game against Fluminense because he'd only had two draws and a loss in the last three matches. <laughs> Can't believe it. They've actually there was a player revolt in the change room. Um, the Botafogo fans have protested. They're right behind this guy. Um, he's a bit of a hard taskmaster, but the dressing room supposedly has well and truly um, slaughtered him. Um, only in South America can you be on top of the table, nine points clear and lose your job. In the most competitive um, football competition there is in South America, the Brazilian top flight. And uh, an Argentine player has been installed as the interim coach at the request of the players. Um, Joel Carly and Lucio Flavio have, um, have taken over the reins after Bruno Lage was dismissed and, um, yeah, just extraordinary, extraordinary um, scenes at Botafogo with the fans cheering for a sacked coach. How can you lose the dressing room when you're nine points on top of the table? Well, he got the ass, mate, so I think he did. Um, formerly at Wolverhampton uh, uh, in that, um, that uh, heady period where they were turning over coaches for fun. 
What was your what was your technical analysis at the top of that spiel, Edge? Generally pretty crap. Oh, the team yeah. that's in second position has is generally pretty crap, but they've had been a good year. <laughs> All right. Well, over to you. My team of the week is the Central Coast Mariners for two reasons. Looking back, they've had a 9-1 win over Stallion Laguna FC of the Philippines in the AFC Cup. And looking forward, this week they're going to field a top-flight women's side in the formerly W League, now A-League women's for the first time in 12 years. Uh, They're in a pretty good position, the Mariners men, when you look at this AFC Cup group. Now, this sits below the Asian Champions League. We used to have more sides in the top-flight comp. Now, unfortunately, due to a sustained period of poor results in that tournament, uh, we've slid down. So we now have just City in the in the first Champions League and the Mariners and the MacArthur Bulls in the AFC Cup. Uh, but they have a group of Terengganu of Malaysia, Bali United of Indonesia, and Stallion Laguna uh, of the Philippines. This 9-0 result saw a hat-trick to Marco Tulio, brace to Dylan Wenzel-Halls, who's a new signing, uh, and goals singular to Nisbet, Alukwal, Brian Kaltak, and Angel Torres, who's a 23-year-old from uh, Bogota in Colombia. It's not where we want to be, Edge, in terms of having just the one uh, direct qualifying spot to the Champions League, but the past six or seven years have been so demoralizing from from an AFC club competition perspective. I don't think it's the worst thing to actually have a couple of our clubs in the mix to uh, to lift some silverware, uh, even if it is maybe deemed by a few uh, a little bit secondary. And just before I do throw to you, uh, their new manager is Mark Jackson, an Englishman. This one's gone under the radar a little bit. At 46, he's a former assistant, or rather a former teammate of Harry Kuehl at Leeds. He worked under Percy Marsh as Leeds more at Leeds more recently, uh, and then he had a a six-month spell managing Milton Keynes. So now he is the uh, Mariners manager. Off to you, Edge. Well, as the Asian coefficients, um, we uh, we lost all our points uh, our, as a nation, Australia, when our teams declined to participate in the Champions League um, group format that was in the hub in Qatar. Do you remember, Willem? I do. It was tracking. It was tracking that for yeah, a while. So, but you're so right. That was the the final sort of dagger. Yeah. So if if Melbourne City can do okay, get out of the group, and if our, our two teams can dominate the AFC Cup, the coefficient will rise really quickly. And there is some prospect within about two to three seasons that we'll get that second spot back in the Asian Champions League. I think we deserve it. I think we need it. I think for football's development, I mean, I know I'm in Asia uh, more often than I'm in Australia. um, And just listen to me, punters, this competition is very, very big. The money that's coming into the competition is growing every year. The TV rights continue to grow. Australia, we need our clubs to really participate. There's a women's version of this coming as well. Um, There's a lot to look forward to. Asian Champions League is a pathway for commercial, financial and spectator growth for our competition. Yeah, seems inevitable, Edge, um, that wave uh, will eventually, uh, or tide will lift and uh, and uh, all we need is uh, is another successful side in the A-League to, to beat some of these big names uh, and, and win the title again, I would have thought, to, to get the attention back onto it from a, from a, a spectator point of view. So uh, it doesn't feel like um, it. Uh, as much as sometimes uh, organisations uh, like the AFC and, uh, and and Melbourne City don't promote their games, but uh, it doesn't really feel like it's it's going to take that much to, to, to raise the profile. Okay, um, 
Ed, you and I were going down similar paths for our hot topic of the week. I mean, uh, you're talking about the um, the frenzy of signings in the women's um, competition, and and I wanted to reflect on on a little more on on what we were talking about with uh, you guys were talking about with Steph Brands as to whether the women's World Cup will actually uh, make some real and lasting change. Uh, what's your vibe on this from afar right now, Edge? I mean, given that you're connected to, to so many players and families, is that the sense that they're getting or um, are there a few nerves starting to creep in that the, the sugar hit might have been um, yeah, not, uh, not sweet enough? I think it's all about scheduling and fixturing and, and the stadiums. You know, some of these um, A-League women's clubs are still playing in, in – in, uh, inferior venues, but there seems to be a push to get them into some better venues, uh, more double headers. I think that will help. I think there'll be generally more people watching it if they can find it. Um, it's really up to the APL to leverage from the legacy rather than thinking, oh, the momentum's sliding. It's whether the APL can position its platforms to do that. I notice there's a big promotion um, at the moment uh, with some of the clubs about round one uh, free access to the games because the, the whole uh, round is um, exclusively reserved for the women's competition. But, yeah, look, my hot, to- hot topic is um, well and truly the, the merry-go-round and just the, the amount of pressure that's been on coaches to sign players. And the, the talent pool is pretty shallow in Australia. So it's been uh, very interesting to watch and have some involvement in. And there's even been uh, players that have been signed from overseas that have landed here then they have performed so badly in pre-season, those players have been sacked and sent home. So it's, yeah, it, it, it is a frenzied marketplace. Without, without naming names, um, are you able to, to identify what parts of the world those, some of those players have come from? Uh, America. All right, Green, okay. Yeah, interesting. And they went to Newcastle. And they're going back <laughs> well, to America. Yeah, without naming names. Okay. Without naming names. And having said all of that, um, look, I'm excited about it. It is. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. My, my actually hot topic was going to be the cost of living crisis, Rob. I was wondering why you were handing uh, – look, for, for our listeners, um, so there's sometimes Edge uh, thinks this is a TV show and he'll he'll do stuff that uh, that he thinks you can see, but we could see it. And he was holding up a can of, um, of Coke. Um, it's, well, it's called Diet Coke in Australia. Here in Thailand, it's called Coca-Cola Light. If you were to go to a 7-Eleven, Rob, and buy a can of Diet Coke, what would it cost you? A can of Diet Coke uh, at a Seven Eleven, I would say something around the three dollar fifty mark, something like that. Well, I would have thought. I've never, I never, cost, I've never bought one. What do you reckon one, it would cost in a Seven Eleven? I would never buy a soft drink at a at a Seven Eleven due to the cost of living crisis. It would be five <laughs> or six bucks, wouldn't it? Not quite, but your iced coffees are up to up to Adam's seven or eight. Well, Adam likes it. Yeah, okay. Well, there we go. It's five or six bucks. Can I just say I bought this from Seven Eleven as I was rushing. Uh, back home to be on the thing, and it cost me thirty-two cents. Okay, what's that, what's that cost? Of <laughs> what are talking about? Why does it cost it up, thirty-two right? cents in Bangkok, but six bucks in Australia? I don't, I don't get know. it. Why, why, why do you bring that up in the middle of a conversation about? Well, it's I thought you were saying that they, the Coca sponsored a, <laughs> a segue into the cost of living crisis. Um, despite all of the uh, goodwill, legacy, momentum, exposure that women's football had. Ah, some of these it was a very players, oblique point, but I can, I can right. see some where you're coming from. Some of these players can't afford to buy a can of Coke ah. in a 7-Eleven, Rob. That's right. my point. Okay, all right, a full-price can of Coke in a 7-Eleven. Scholarship contracts are only it's about the same price as buying a ticket. Minimum, minimum contracts for uh, minimum contracted uh, A-League women's players are still only $25,000. So I'm just saying, mm. despite yeah. all the uh, hoopla and good news, we've got to lift those wages for these girls. 
Yes, true. Well, you are known to take some tangents, and you took one there, but uh, you got there in the end. All right, Willem, you've got. Okay, Willem, why don't you bring us home? You've got. uh, You're going back over to the UK. Yeah, and I'm going back onto the pitch. Manchester United broken again. I'm headlining this, Rob. Uh, One of my close mates is a. Even though they won the Atorno, I think we're now a season and a little bit in for Eric Ten Hag, and I think slowly but surely it's starting to chew him up as it has done. The Atorno was Carl. This is Carl Anker, and this is his. This is something that he's taken from Barcelona and it's the Spanish term for the environment. And it's not just your 11 on the pitch, but it's your administrators, your fans, your past players. It's the whole show, clubs the size of Manchester United and Barcelona have these large environments. And this 2-1 win over Brentford, uh, in some ways, paid homage to the great days of Ferguson and Fergie time and the old Trafford um, come from the uh, come from the death. I'm going to mix my metaphors, pull the death out of the fire, Rob. Uh, so maybe some Manchester United fans went home happy and feeling like they were back on the right track as they had been in the past. But really, a very soft goal given up through two primary Ten Hag signings. Casemiro gave it up and then his goalkeeper, Onana, who he's brought from Ajax, doesn't look up to it. And then the comeback came through Scott McTominay, a central midfielder who has been overlooked for his primary role time and again, brought on as your break glass in case of emergency physical striker. And to be fair to him, he got the job done. Uh, two goals and the celebrations were were mighty, but that's not the sign or the victory of a side that are on the sustained sort of build that they are professing to be. Yeah, no, exactly. And in a week where the David Beckham documentary is getting all the headlines from Manchester United, and uh, I don't think any of us has watched it yet, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a sharp contrast between uh, even when they win, what's going on uh, uh, in the uh, in the club environment. All right, well, well done. Um, we'll see you next week. Look forward to it. Edge, thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed this week's show. Go Gunners. Yeah, and not many times you, uh, and believe with Derek, not even on the show that you... Well. Take the full opportunity to extract every last ounce or drop Liverpool of juice. Away lead, of what do you, you say? Liverpool threw away lead. You know oh yes, you were whispering that in the background. I couldn't quite hear you. Yes, they did. Uh, correct. Now, Edge, farewell with your big grin on your face. There, please subscribe to Box to Box. Thank you, Adam Maloney, for making sure the show will come together again. Stoppage time and offside wherever you get your podcast. Tweet us at Box to Box NTS and follow us on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Like us on Facebook and join us throughout the week as our podcasts drop and we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.